It's Tuesday, March 2nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynes is out in Goodyear, Arizona, uh, continuing to cover the Indians in spring training. And uh, we had a lot of news coming out of spring training today, Hoynesy. Uh, not a lot of it uh, necessarily on the field baseball related, and that's never a good thing. Uh, the Athletic today publishing a story about Mickey Calloway and continuing their investigation of uh, Calloway's pattern of harassment uh, against women in the teams that he worked for, including the Indians. Uh, this story focused mostly on what the Indians knew about Calloway's behavior and when they knew it. Uh, and some of the points that were made in the article are in direct sort of conflict with what President of Baseball Operations Chris Antonetti said uh, back on February 4th, uh, when he addressed the issue of the first athletic story about this investigation, uh, just your reaction when you read the story today uh, in The Athletic and your and the way that it was handled by the Indians uh, subsequently today uh, with Terry Francona's press conference. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was shocked, really. That was that was a, a that was like a, a blockbuster story. It was. Um, the reporting was was unbelievable. It's really in depth. They talked to a lot of people, and uh, in and what the, the gist of the story was, you know, Chris Antonetti, uh, Mike Chernoff, and Terry Francona knew about uh, or had discussed. You know, they had met with uh, Mickey Calloway about his uh, relationships with women before this. Uh, you know, before the before the story came out, uh, before, um, you know, before it became news and, and, uh, and it, it conflicted with uh, Antonetti's statement that they didn't know about any harassment until the first, uh, the first uh, athletic story was published in, in uh, what, February 1st. Right. Uh, a lot of details in the story talk about uh, Callaway's behavior and his extramarital affairs while he was the Indians pitching coach dating back to, uh, I believe some of them documented in 2014, 2015, and whether or not uh, reports of those incidents were fed to the team, were fed to Major League Baseball. And according to the report, uh, you can believe that there were investigations opened on the, the Major League Baseball side of things on, uh, you know, what was handled. It was a a husband in Arizona who found out Callaway was having an affair with his wife and he was very upset about it and continued to be upset uh, up until the point where in 20 after 2017 when Callaway was hired as the Mets manager and that sort of renewed his push by uh, to Major League Baseball to, to sort of get something done uh, about it and just the uh, the insinuation in the story that uh, a, a lawyer in Cleveland offered to have Terry Francona meet with the the gentleman and and sort of smooth things over, I guess, was, was one of the, the, the ideas in that, uh, the piece. I, I don't know. It, it, it really does sound like the Indians as an organization maybe knew more than they let on initially uh, about what was going on with Mickey Callaway. I think the, uh, the difference that the, from the Indians' point of view, here's how they're looking at this. Yes, they knew about Mickey Callaway's affairs. Yes, um, they were con consensual. You know, they, they uh, Callaway told them he was quoted in the first uh, athletic story as saying they were consensual. Um, 
they they met with him on on that. They went to uh, their their uh, HR department. They went with their legal to their legal department to see what actions they could take. And uh, you know, they said you know everything came back to the front office that this was not you know it was it was a consensual affair between two adults, and there was really you know outside the workplace, and there was nothing that could be done about it. So that's what they're seeing, and and and, and that's and different, and that's different from what's being reported in the the first athletic article where it was five different women coming forward saying that their interactions with Callaway were of a harassing nature, where he would send them inappropriate photos or messages or pressure them to meet with him outside of the ballpark. And, and that created a hostile working space for them. That's sort of the, the, the crux of the, the, the Indian sort of defense of this is that maybe it, the, the affairs were consensual and they could do nothing about it, but they did not know he was at the same time also, you know, undergoing this harassing behavior towards these women. Yeah, that, that's basically it, Joe. It's, it's kind of a slippery slope and it's uh, splitting hairs for sure. And, um, but that's, that's their, uh, you know, I think that's what they're going to base their, their defense on. You know, it's an ongoing uh, investigation right now. Uh, they, they can't comment, comment on it, as we saw today with uh, Terry uh, Francona's press conference. Uh, they released a statement, and, that, and that's, that's basically it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, um, you know, so that, that's where they stand. And uh, I think... Uh, I don't know the just your reaction to the, them them flatly coming out and saying we will discuss this matter no further while the the investigation is going on. Yeah, I think that's probably you know just kind of a <clears throat> you know I think that's what corporations do. It sounds like you know <laughs> we're going to let this we're let the, we're going to let the investigation run its course. Then we'll talk about it. We'll see what actions, if any, are taken. Um, and uh, you know this uh, opens a you know. You know, you really have to think about who is, does someone uh, lose their job over this? Yeah, I, I, I wonder if Chris Antonetti has any exposure because of that uh, February 4th press conference where he said, you know, I didn't know the first I knew about this was the, that initial athletic article. Um, and if, if, if he's going to toe the line of we knew about the affairs, but we didn't know about the harassment, that's what I meant when I said I didn't know about it then I can see maybe a path forward for him. But if he's, you know, in, in, a, in essence, covering things up, then, you know, that's a whole other situation there. Speaking and, you know, of... Oh. Joe, the, uh, the story, today's story in The Athletic, said MLB knew as well, you right. know, that uh, the, the husband of the wife that uh, Mickey uh, Calloway was having the affair with called MLB and, and filed a complaint with them. So... You know, both, you know, so everybody knew about this, right? But, uh, apparently no one knew about the harassment, which right. you can believe right. it or not. Well, all of this feeds into, uh, surprisingly enough, the, the tweet and the message that was sent out uh, at, at one point today after the story came out uh, from Nick Francona, uh, Terry Francona's son. Uh, I, I don't know if we would uh, necessarily, you know, phrase it as estranged son or maybe a son that he doesn't necessarily uh, have a great relationship right now with, but uh, Nick Francona came out and said, in essence, look, I confronted my dad and I confronted Chris Antonetti and the Indians over 
these sort of allegations uh, a long time ago, and and this is this is uh, this cover up goes up as high as officials in the commissioner's office in Major League Baseball. So uh, Nick Francona has a history of butting heads with organizations. Uh, he he left his job with the Dodgers uh, after having a blow up with Gabe Kapler over the way the Dodgers handled uh, a, an assault case back in 2015 uh, that involved a 17-year-old girl in an Arizona hotel room. Uh, he also was fired from his job uh, in with the Mets in 2018 when Mickey Calloway was the manager there uh, over his uh, insistence that there's something fishy about the Major League Baseball Memorial Day uniforms and the profits from that uh, where they go because of Nick's background as a, a Marine veteran. So when Nick uh, Francona came out and basically put the Indians and his own dad on blast there uh, over this whole issue, what was your what was your reaction to that? Yeah, I, it, it was stunning to me. I, I mean, I shouldn't be because, you know, we've seen this before. This is obviously it's a fractured relationship between Tito and, and uh, Nick Francona. Uh, it's been that way for a long time. And uh, it is, you know, when when the family disputes get get out in the public, they're never pretty, and and that was uh, that was a uh, that was a, a really a body blow uh, to uh, Francona and and the Indians. And and you could tell when Tito was asked about the tweet from Nick uh, in his press conference, uh, it was almost like he it, it, he was already seated, but it was all you know. Let me sit down. Uh, he he talked about how how painful and how hurtful it was to to work through this and, and how much he loves each of his kids unconditionally, but this was really painful to work through in public uh, for him. So, uh, and, and I've received emails from, uh, you know, fans who, who just felt they had to get something off their chest about this. Uh, you know, why is Nick Francona throwing his dad under the bus? And, and I can understand why fans want to back Tito blindly and, and, you know, whatever. And, and I, I certainly feel for the guy, but, you know, everybody's got things in their past and, and, and whatever that they don't want to deal with. Uh, it's just that when you're the manager of a, a, a major league baseball franchise, uh, it's it when it gets out in public and, and stuff is aired, uh, it can get really nasty and, and a lot of people's feelings can get hurt. Yeah. And, it, you know, this is probably the peak of that. You know, we, there's been, you know, we've seen inklings of this in the past. You know, when, when he was fired with the Dodgers. Uh, but this is this is a new new high right here. And uh, we'll have to see where, where this goes, Joe, with uh, with Tito, the Indians, uh, MLB, uh, the Mets, um, the Angels, and Mickey Calloway. I, I think it's safe to say that Mickey Calloway is, is not, never going to work in baseball again. Yeah, uh, that know, would... I, I just I just can't see that happening. It would be it would be a huge shock if if he does not get uh, fired from his job as the pitching coach for the Angels and uh, if, if they don't already have some something in place as the, as the mechanism for that because uh, this is this goes way beyond anything that uh, can can be let you know let go or gotten past. Well, the commissioner, uh, you know, the commissioner has issued lifetime bans before. You know, the guy that uh, the Cardinals guy that broke into the Houston. You know, uh, uh, a frame to get the to get the player information. A couple guys have been banned for life, and 
you know, I, I, I'd be, I, th I would think uh, Mickey is on that, on that path right now. Yeah, that was uh, former uh, Cardinals scout, uh, scouting director, Chris Correa. He received a, a lifetime ban uh, for his involvement in that scandal, uh, hacking into the, the Astros uh, computers to steal that information. So yeah, I, the, the precedent is there in terms of what you're saying, in terms of, uh, you know, a, a ban be, could be in place for, for Mickey Calloway coming down the road. Yeah, and uh, that could happen. And you just think about this one guy, Joe, one guy, you know, takes, you know, an organization, pretty much a model organization for middle to small market teams. And with his actions, it's turned it, turned it upside down and, and placed it on its ear and, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, people had to, there, there might've been some people that were complicit in this, but one guy can, uh, can wreck a, can sink a, can sink a, can sink a boat or can sink a ship for sure. Well, and, and how does Chris Antonetti come through this or does he come through this and what does he look like on the other side of this? Because like you said, Chris Antonetti is the architect along with Terry Francona and Mike Chernoff of this unprecedented era of success for the Indians. Like you said, building a small market team that, that since 2013 hasn't had a losing season and has been competitive, even though there's been turnover and, and payroll turnover and, and roster turnover and, and, you know, moving all these big name players and, and reloading the gun, so to speak, and sort of threading the needle there. Uh, Antonetti by all accounts is exactly who you want if you're a mid-market team to be leading your franchise. But in, in this regard, it, it almost shows sort of a weakness of his in terms of if, if, if he was so able to let this go on underneath his command, I, 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 I certainly don't want to see Chris Antonetti, you know, not be the president of baseball operations for the Indians, but is that a possibility here? You know, I, I guess that everything is on the table right now, Joe. I, I would be surprised if it was. I mean, I think it would have to come from, you know, Paul Dolan with pressure from MLB. But MLB knew this was going on, and they, they said they'd never heard, they'd never gotten a complaint about Mickey Calloway as well. So, you know, both these, you know, both entities are in on this, have been involved in this, have their, have their fingerprints on this. You know, I think what, what, the Indians have to do right now, as Antonetti said when, when he talked after the first athletic story, they have to make, you know, female employees or, or female reporters, anybody working around the club, they have to make them feel comfortable and, and safe in the environment and have and and work much, much harder on opening channels of communications where if this does happen they're not afraid to report it. And I think that that played a big role in this in this going on for as long as it, they did, that the, the, the proper channels weren't there. And I think right. the Indians have made a commitment to, to, to fix that, to, to work as hard as they can on that. But, you know, it, it was, it, 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 what, it didn't happen when it, when it needed to happen. And, and I'll, I'll go a step further, uh, just to piggyback on what you said. Uh, we, uh, I'm talking you and me and, and our colleagues in the press box who are around the team, uh, the, the male colleagues uh, I'm talking to here. And, and as far as I know, we do as good a job as we can about this, but we need to be more vigilant. If we see something or, uh, you know, a sideways glance or a, 
uh, an inappropriate look or if somebody comes to us and says they don't feel uncomfortable, we need to be advocates for uh, those other, you know, female or, or any other reporter working uh, in that environment, uh, employees, reporters, whatever. If, if somebody needs help, we need to be there to, to stand up to give it to them as well, uh, not just coming from the organization itself. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. And, but I mean, you know, I was around Mickey Calloway every day that he was here and I, you know, I never saw that. I, I never had, a, had an indication of that. I, you, know, you mean he never sent you a shirtless picture, Hoinsey? <laughs> no, but, but no. I just, you, know, you just, you know, sometimes with this job, you just get locked in and you're in tunnel vision and you, you don't see what's going on. With Indians baseball right around the corner, there's never been a better time for you to register for Indian subtext. Our subscriber-based service gives you the inside scoop and analysis on the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions. It's a great way to avoid the trolls on social media, and it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why should you sign up? Here's one of our subscribers, Bill from Arizona. I think it's great the way uh, uh, you guys have handled it this year and appreciate the fact that, you know, you usually, uh, when you're able, respond pretty uh, quickly, either just to me or to, you know, to, to everybody. And it's nice to have a little insight on some things and then maybe an hour or two later, the story will break. I kind of feel like I'm sort of, you know, on the QT in the know and it's fun. Bill and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the team and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or text Hoinsey or Joe at 216-208-4346. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or send a text message to 216-208-4346. We look forward to having you as a member of Indian subtext. All right. Well, uh, as as really difficult as it is to make the transition from shirtless pictures of Mickey Calloway sent to people who don't want them to what happened on the baseball diamond today, let's try to make that jump uh, just briefly, just to wrap up what we what we had today. Because you are out there in Arizona, you were one of the the rare few people to see live what happened today. The Indians. Uh, coming out with a, a six to one win and uh, somebody, you know, throw a blanket on Andres Jimenez. Uh, he is on fire and you need to put him out. What, uh, what's going on with this kid? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, he went two for two again today. I think he's four for four in two games since the start of spring training, hit a two run homer. You know, everybody talked about this guy's glove, Joe, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when he came over and uh, all we've seen him do is hit. I, I think with combined with uh, Gabriel Arias, who's what five for five, and uh, Jimenez is what four for four. I, I mean, it's it's real easy for us to sort of fall into the oh my goodness, this is our shortstop second baseman combination of the future for the Indians. Uh, let's let's look ahead and see and make all these projections. Got to remember. What Arius is, or I'm, Arius just turned 21, and he's never played above a ball. And yeah. uh, uh, 
Andre Jimenez, while he does have a little bit of major league experience, is still what, 22 years old? 22. And uh, the desert is a fooler, Joe. So you got you can't be <laughs> can't be see too many mirages out here because it's, it's happened before. But it's just you know it's just good to see guys like that play. I mean, they have talent. It's obvious. You know, Jimenez is putting his best foot forward to win the shortstop job. I don't know if he's going to win it, but uh, they certainly, they need a shortstop. Well, it, it helps when you're, you're what, five for five or four for four uh, at the plate, but you've, you've also seen both Jimenez and Arias make strong plays in the field with their arms, uh, relay throws, cutting down runners at the plate, uh, knowing where to go with the ball, being, being smart with the ball. Uh, these are the concerns that we have or that, that, that the Indians should have or, or we've heard uh, coming from the, the Mets about Ahmed Rosario not having that instinct. And it looks like these guys know what to do with the ball and where to go with it. Yeah, they both have great arms. We've seen them, you know, throw guys out at the plate. Uh, Tyler Freeman made a nice throw to third base today to cut down a runner uh, that was stre uh, trying to stretch a double into a triple. You know, he's another shortstop middle infielder. Uh, so, I mean, they've got them all over the place, Joe. It, it was, it was, you know, it's, it's been an interesting three games here. And uh, then they rolled out, uh, you know, Plutko pitched well, or two scoreless. Uh, then you got the three lefties, Perez, Kyle Nelson, and Anthony Ghost, each through a scoreless inning. Ghost, uh, was hitting, Ghost was hitting 97 on the gun, I heard. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he, he gave up a couple hits, but, you know, got out of trouble and, you uh, then, uh, you know, we saw, you know, Carlos Vargas, the kid that throw, can touch 100. He, he finished the ninth, and I mean, the uh, eighth or the seventh. It was only a seven-inning game. Seven innings, yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, Trevor Stephan, the uh, Rule 5 guy, threw a scoreless inning. So it, it, was, an, it was a good day for uh, pitching for the Indians. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, as we get further along in this, we'll also get into the first base battle. I know, uh, uh, I believe Jake Bowers played today. Uh, he got on base, scored a run at least. I, th I think he yeah. might have had a hit as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, getting over the, the, the sort of the, the headache and the nonsense of the whole uh, Callaway situation and, and focusing on baseball was good. At least they were able to, to have success there on the field, uh, you know, today and, and can build off of that and, and maybe continue uh, tomorrow. What's on tap for us on Wednesday from Goodyear, Wednesday. Uh, Zach Plesak is making his spring uh, training debut. Uh, he's going to face uh, Arizona at uh, Goodyear Ballpark. Then uh, the next day, uh, Aaron Savali makes his uh, spring training debut. Uh, he's on the road uh, against the Brewers in Phoenix. So that'll be fun to watch those two guys pitch. Right. There's, uh, you know, two-fifths of your, your starting rotation there uh, taking the mound and, and getting ready their, their first cracks at it. Okay, uh, we will be back again tomorrow with another uh, Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast with Hoinsey in Arizona giving us uh, the latest there on the Indians. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you then.